0: Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us. Open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, our eyes, our body to to receive from you what you wish us to receive. Lord, as we reflect on what it means for you to be our Father, we thank you for the gifts that you have given us, for the care that you have provided us, but most importantly, for the future you have made possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This week we're celebrating Father's Day. And as part of celebrating Father's Day, today in our sermon we're going to look at what it means for God to be our Father. And we're going to look at a particular text where Jesus talks to God. And so the discussion is with Jesus talking to God the Father. And it's from John 17. Think about it. Think about what that discussion may have looked like. Jesus sitting there talking to his Father. Him on earth, his Father in heaven, and Jesus talking to him. Now some helpful information that helps us in understanding today's lesson is that is to remember that Jesus has been preparing his disciples for the future. He's been preparing them for his arrest, which is going to happen shortly after this prayer. He's been preparing them for his journey to the cross, his death and his resurrection. He's preparing the disciples for the trouble that they will continue to receive for being his disciples. And he's preparing them for his mission. And you can see in John chapter 13 to 16, this preparation taking place. And then we come to this prayer, this prayer that Jesus prays, this prayer that some call the high priestly prayer. Others would like to call the Lord's prayer. However, we have another another prayer in the scriptures which is called the Lord's prayer. But one thing about this prayer that's um, a little bit different to a lot of the other prayers. Often Jesus goes alone and away alone to pray alone. But this prayer he prays in the presence of his disciples. He prays this prayer to God the Father with people overhearing. And it'd be a bit like um, if you were with me and I was somewhere and I took a phone call and I started talking and you overheard the conversation, the disciples were overhearing what Jesus is saying to God the Father. Keep that in mind as we take a look at this particular discussion that Jesus has with his Father. The other interesting side note, the thing to side note, there is there is some very clear similarities between this prayer in John chapter 17 where Jesus is talking to the Father and the Lord's Prayer which we discover in Matthew and Luke. There's some similar themes that come out. first of all he addresses God as father, as his loving heavenly Father. the type of terminology he uses is that God is this father figure. Secondly he encouraged you know in, in the in the Lord's Prayer, we're encouraged that, to pray, may, may your name be kept holy. And in verses 6, 11 and 26, there's encouragement for us to keep God's name holy, to keep God's name prominent, to keep God's name in a good name in the world. And then there's this theme of let your kingdom come. Now it's not stated within the priestly prayer, may your kingdom come, but what it is is may your Kingdom come, come through Jesus' glorification, which we now know is on the cross. And then in verse 4, there's this indication, this theme that we also see in the Lord's Prayer. Let your will be done in heaven, as in heaven so on earth. And we see throughout this prayer, this prayer actually leads up to Jesus wanting the world to know God's love, which is, if you remember, when we talk about kingdom coming, it's not about God taking over a particular geographical location. It's about God's way of life becoming part of our way of life. And we see within this high priestly prayer that God's way of life is a way of love. And then there is, This prayer that the disciples get protected, which brings out the theme that we also see in the Lord's Prayer, bring us not into temptation. And so you can see Jesus has this consistent way of talking to the Father. Talking to the Father. Now before we get deeper into the scripture that we're looking at from John 17, I have a couple of things for you and me and us to think about, to ponder about. First of all, when it comes to God the Father, what is your expectation of God the Father? What do you expect of God the Father? What's your vision of God the Father? Sometimes people have a problem addressing God as God the Father and it's often because their relationship, their relationship with their own father hasn't been great or they've had a better relationship with a mother figure. But throughout Scripture, we see this call for us to address God as Father, and I encourage you to think about what is, what is your expectation from God the Father, because that will influence how we talk to God the Father. I know also some other people who have a very strict Father, a very authoritarian sort of figure, and that's the way they address God in prayers. They love God, they know God loves them, but their relationship's one of one of about authority. Can I encourage you, no matter where you stand with God the Father, to allow Scripture to speak into your life? To allow what God says to us, and that's what we're going to, to look at today what Jesus says, what God says through Jesus to us about who God the Father is. Secondly, how do your expectations of God the Father correspond to Jesus' expectations? As we unpack, as we look at John 17, what we see is Jesus' expectations of the Father. Comes out in his discussion. Comes out in his prayer. And then thirdly, the third question to think about is how does God's mission for us influence what we pray for? You know, or another way to think about it is how can our prayers be shaped? when we put forward God's mission for us? So in these three questions I encourage you to ponder, not just throughout the sermon, but also as part of your life. What is your expectation from God the Father? Secondly, how does this expectation correspond to Jesus' expectation of God the Father? And thirdly, how does God's mission for us influence what we pray for? what we say in our prayers, what we focus on in our prayers. Let's begin with a dive into scripture. And so we become, the first verses one through to five is a focus about Jesus asking his father to glorify him. Now, there is a purpose behind this. It's not about Jesus asking the Father that he be glorified so He can show the world how great He is, how spectacular he is, how good he is. You know that's if we go to the earliest chapters of John, that's what Satan tried to do. That was the focus of Satan. You know go up here, do these things, turn these stones into bread, so can, people can see how good you are. So you can have all the kingdoms in the world. Here's the deal. Jesus asked God to glorify him, but it's not for his benefit. It's for ours and for the benefit of the whole world. You see, the purpose of Jesus being glorified is first of all is to point people to the Father, to point people to the Father that he's a loving Father. The second purpose is, and it's actually connected to the first, is that Jesus wants to be glorified. So he glorifies the Father. He points people to the Father as a loving Father. But so people can receive eternal life from the Father. So people can receive eternal life from the Father, is the reason that Jesus asked the Father to glorify him. And so, verses one to five, this is this is Jesus' discussion to the Father. He's saying, Dad. Glorify me so these people, all this world, can benefit. Now, he knew what glorification meant. He knew it didn't mean sitting on a throne, having control from a castle, or being head honcho anywhere. He knew that glorification meant going to the cross, going to the tomb, and rising from the dead so others can have eternal life, so other people can benefit. That's that's how Jesus opens up this prayer. He prays to his loving father, come on, let's get on with the mission. Let's get on with what you've placed me on earth to do. Glorify me. Now, he knows the consequences of this. From an earthly perspective, it's not going to look great initially. But he knows That him being glorified means the Father's love is truly seen in the world. That the Father's love is not only seen, but we all benefit from it. And so have a look at verses 1 to 5. Have a look through them and you'll see this discussion that Jesus has with his Father. But then he moves the discussion on to talk to his Father about his disciples the followers that he had at that stage, the people who had gathered around him, who'd listened to him, who'd, who were following him, who were learning from him. That's what a disciple does. A disciple continually listens and learns. And As he prays to the father about his disciples, he doesn't pick out their flaws. He doesn't pick out their, that they're not quite there yet. He doesn't pick out their problems. He doesn't pick out that some of them wanted power. But take notice of what he highlights, what he talks to the Father about with his disciples. The first thing he does is he recognises that all the disciples are gifts from the Father. That these were the people that God the Father wanted to be on his mission, to be supporting Jesus, to be with Jesus, to be learning from Jesus. And they are gifts from the Father, gifts You might say to Jesus, but more importantly, the gifts from the Father for the entire world. Secondly, and this is important to pick up, he speaks well of them. He speaks well of their faithfulness, even though we know they're not always completely faithful. And he speaks well about them continuing the mission that his Father has put in place. And as you may recall, if you recall from um, the beginning of the sermon, we talked about the context. Jesus has been preparing the disciples, letting them know that life is not going to be easy, going to be tough. But he also prays. He prays for their protection as they continue the Father's mission on earth. He prays an interesting part of the prayer. You know, If you were seeing somebody in danger, we would often say, let's take that person out of danger. Let's remove them from the danger. But what Jesus says, he says something completely different. He says, don't take them from the world, but protect them whilst they're in the world. Don't take them from the world, but protect them while they're in the world. And why does he do this? He does this because he knows his mission needs to continue. Without Jesus coming into the world, without his disciples being involved in his mission, we would be lost we wouldn't get to know or experience God's love. And so it's important for his disciples to continue in this mission, even though it's difficult, even though it's tough. It's so others can have eternal life. Then he continues and he asks the fathers to help them to grow in unity, to be people who are growing in unity. And he also asks the father to make them holy, to sanctify them. And this is an important message for us. And it's an important message for us to share with the world that God loves us, but also he loves us not because we are perfect, not because we we are holy enough and therefore God will then have a relationship with us. He loves us to make us holy. He loves us to sanctify us. Through our relationship with God, we become holy. Through our relationship with God, we become sanctified. Now that means being set apart. And what's interesting in this section of Jesus' discussion with the Father, where he's talking to the Father about the disciples, is he clearly understood that his and the disciples' mission is the Father's. Keep that in mind. Now think about How does being involved in the Father's mission then affect how we live and pray? Think about your prayers. Think about the message of you being called to be a disciple of Jesus, to be somebody who is involved in God's mission. Think about what you may include in your prayers. Remembering that you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to have it all together. But Jesus is representing you, representing all disciples to his Father. He speaks on your behalf and he speaks well of you. And that's how God sees us. If you go through further and deeper into the New Testament, you see that God the Father sees us in the light of Jesus. Sees us not because of our flaws our problems what we've done wrong but sees us because of what Jesus has done for us and then we jump further to what is often referred to as Jesus prays for the world or prays for all believers and the world and he's talking to his father about all believers and the world and again he represents all believers to the father he talks about to the to the father On their behalf. And this is the interesting point again. He doesn't highlight how bad the world is. He doesn't highlight all the problems that exist. He doesn't highlight their past, the believers' past. But what he highlights is their credibility because they have faith in Jesus. And that faith has come about because other Christians, other People, people he refers to as disciples have been active in sharing the message of God. The message of John 3, 16 to 17. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son into the world to save the world and not condemn the world. The message, the message that God has a place for you and that Jesus is going to go away and prepare that place for you and take you to be with him. And then we see Jesus talk a bit more and he prays that the love the Father has for him is the same love all believers receive. Think about that for a moment. The love the Father has for Jesus is the same love that Jesus wants all of us to receive. In other words, every person, you included, your enemy included, The Father God wants to love them just as much as he loves Jesus. And that's a message we should hold in our heart dearly. A message knowing that God loves us deeply just as a son. And if you read further in the New Testament, what you also discover is God often refers to us as children, as his sons and daughters. So as we live, think about that. Think about the love that God has for you is the same love that he has for Jesus. and Then as he talks further about all believers in the world, he asks that he and the Father dwell in all believers. This is a difficult concept. When we talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at times, but when we talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, when we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit also brings us Jesus and the Father. And so Jesus is asking that both the Father and himself dwell in all believers. In other words, that they live inside of us. That as we go about life, this has some major consequences. One of those consequences, it will lead to unity. I can guarantee you at the moment, the Christian church is not fully unified from a worldly perspective. Someone said to me recently there is something like 30-odd thousand denominations, not congregations, denominations around the world. It doesn't take long for us to be in discussion or dialogue with other Christians that we soon work out what makes us different, and sometimes that often leads to the faults that other groups have. Now, from a worldly perspective, that is disunity. And maybe, maybe... We should focus less on our differences and more on our commonality. Our commonality that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus who died for us and rose for us so that we can have life. But this is a prayer that Jesus, this is what the Jesus asked the Father. Let's not be remote from believers. Let's dwell within them. And if you think about what that may mean for us as a, as a church community, think about that God is, dwells within his church community. Right? As we go about life, as we worship together, but also as we go out into the world, God is with us. Think about what that may mean for others who encounter us. Think about what God's trying to achieve through us. And then Jesus prays, the Father, that the Father's love which comes through Jesus be seen by the world through all believers. If there is one message that we need to live well by, is that God loves us, but He also loves the whole world. And His plan in revealing His love to the whole world, yes, it's through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. But it actually goes a step further. Jesus asked the Father, let's do it. Let's do it through the church. Let's do it through every Christian. Let's do it through people like you and me. That's the prayer that Jesus has of the Father. That's the plan the Father puts in place. You see, his mission in the world is not just to have a story of Jesus walked on this earth once died rose is in heaven will come back again some stage but between his resurrection and him coming back again the second stage the message is that god wants to the whole world every person in the world to know he loves them now if you if you live in that world that's the that's the focus of god the father he wants the whole world to know they are loved our memory verse for this week comes from Isaiah, talks about he wants to, he, he's a father to the fatherless. So think about people who don't have a father figure in their life. He wants them to know that love, but not just them, the whole world, every single person. And his plan to do so, the way he wants to get this message out, is for people like you and me to focus, to focus our lives on Jesus and to allow Jesus love to come through us. So what does all this mean for us who are living this faith? The first thing I'd encourage us all to do is, first of all, keep embedded in our life, is we have a loving father. I look at the story and my relationship with my father and it was pretty good. I know my father wasn't perfect. But part of his relationship with me gave me some of God's love. Helped me know some of God's love. There are other aspects that probably were nowhere near, nowhere from God. But that was the blessing of having a father. But even if you haven't had that sort of father figure in your life, remember you do have a father figure. A father figure who loves you deeply who is constantly loving you and wants to give you eternal life where love will overflow. And that leads us to the second point. Remember, God the Father's love and care is for the entire world. Sometimes people seem to want to operate as Christians as if God's love is for a select small group of people. That's not the message of the New Testament. The message of the New Testament is God's love is not for one group of people, but for the entire world. When you hear the terms Jew and Gentile, that means the entire world. When you read John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the focus is on the entire world. When you hear Jesus' great commission... You can make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is to the entire world. And so this love that we have from God is not an exclusive love, but it's a broad love, a love that's for the entire world. It's not just for me and for you, but it's for our next door neighbor. It's for the people who we work with. It's for the people who we get along with. It's for the people who get up our noses at times. So as we live their faith, live with that focus. That God has given us a love that's not just for ourselves, but it's a love that he wants the entire world to know. That leads us to the third point in living the faith. The Father, Jesus and other Christians is how people discover the love of God. The Father makes the love of God, his love possible in the world by sending his son Jesus into the world. Jesus lives out God's love by dying on the cross, taking on the sins that we deserved, but then also rising. But the message, the people involved in sharing God's love doesn't stop there. He commissioned his disciples, he commissions us to go into the world To help others to discover this love that God has for them. And so then, let's think about our discussions with God. Let's think about our times of prayer. Are they simply a list of things? Are they simply focused on what we sense or what we need? Or are they being shaped by His mission? Are they being influenced by his mission? Take a step back. Think about how Jesus prayed to the Father at this particular point in time. He knew in the very near future he was going to the cross. But think about how his prayers were shaped in John 17. It was shaped about his God's mission continuing, God's mission of love Continuing in the world. How might our prayers be able to be shaped that way? And lastly, in living the faith, think about this. What does it mean for the Father and Jesus to be in you as you live? What does it mean for the Father and Jesus to be in you as you live? The truth is we have a a loving Heavenly Father who has given us the blessing of earthly fathers, but the blessing of earthly mothers, the blessing of other, other Christians on this earth who have revealed, shared God's love with us so we can discover God's love and know that we are loved by our Heavenly Loving Father. May you go, go in this world knowing you are loved by God. But not only knowing you are loved by God, may the love that God has for you be the same love that others get to see through you. Go in God's peace, go with his love and go with his grace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the wonderful gift of Jesus, the wonderful gift of your love that you've shown to us through Jesus. As we live our lives, Help us to remember what it means for you to be our Father, to be the one who continually loves us, the perfect Father. And Lord, also help us to live out your mission on this earth, to be people who continually show your love to all the people we encounter. Lord, be with us. Remind us that you wish to dwell within us and help us. Help us to be focused on the things that you are focused on.